Look out, something is going to get you tonight. Let's talk about the thing that's going to get you tonight. Welcome to the Happy Harvest Horror Show. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Brian. And this is the Happy Harvest Horror Show, where we get together and talk about our favorite spooky stuff. And we've got the spookiest thing of all to talk about today. (laughs) Hopefully we can cover it. The spookiest thing of all. Yeah, I mean, straight up, we're not going to cover it. It's a vast, vast uh, topic. So much so that there's currently an amazing documentary that is over three hours long. And just Um, feels like it scratches the surface. Yeah, and there's so much more, I think, that could be said. And we're not going to do that. We're not going to throw a three-hour podcast episode at you. But it is a topic that I'm I'm very excited about. I have a lot to say and we're just going to you know, we're going to try and hit some some big points, some big ideas, talk about some of our favorite uh, movies in this particular, I don't know if you'd call it a genre, but um the world of of folk horror is what we were talking about today. Yeah. Yeah, do it the happy harvest way, you know? We'll have a lively discussion, some thoughts. Some uh, some good laughs. <laughs> oh, exactly. But before we do that, Brian, how spooky was your week? My week was hmm. How spooky was it? It was yeah, it was fairly spooky. I I saw a new movie this last weekend. I saw a few movies this last weekend, if you can believe it. Wow. I saw one particular called "You Won't Be Alone." It's in theaters now, and it's fucking fire oh man you gotta see this movie it's so good it's um let me just let me paint a picture for you because please this do is, it starts with a woman who is uh visited it's very full core it's very fitting that we're talking because it nice. is a full core story a woman is visited by a witch who wants to take her baby and she's like no don't take the baby give me 16 years at least with the baby and the witch is like all right you get 16 years fair enough <laughs> Fair enough. That's a fair deal. I'll play, you know? Um, And so the mom was like, well, shit, I got 16 years. I got to hide you. And so basically this, this baby grows up in this cave for 16 years. And would you believe it? Which comes and uh, takes the baby, takes the kid, which is very uneducated, can't speak. Grew up in a cave, does not know the world at all. The witch gives the uh, girl this this power of shape-shifting and then largely abandons her. And so this young witch, uh, the movie is about her just like shape-shifting into different lives and different people and just kind of learning what being human is all about. Wild. And it's incredible. Yeah. It's like the whole contradiction of the human being, you know, of like... <laughs> Like, oh man, there's such horrors that we do, but there's also such beautiful moments, you know? So like, Mm -hmm. and then the whole time you got the evil witch in the background, very pessimistically, like, I don't know why you're bothering trying to learn about them. They're all going to hurt you in the end. And so it's just this. So anyway, you won't be alone is what it's called. And I am intrigued. Beautiful movie, beautiful film. So check it out. Check it out. I will, I will do just that. But that's it. That's, that was my spookiest thing this week. And then just doing more research on full core. 
But how Which, about you? Yeah, there's no, there is no um, lack of material in that world for the sure. Never ending well. Oh uh, yeah, it really is. It really is. Um, so I would say, I mean, this is not really the past week, but the past couple of weeks. Um, like two weeks ago, I I mentioned this to you already, Brian, but I took a day trip out to Bodega Bay, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite kind of coastal spots. It's lots of just nice little hikes along, you know, the coastal cliffs and cute little bay town, fishing town, just a really nice spot. And it's on the Sonoma coast. Also is where the church from Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds is located. It's where The Birds was filmed. So yeah, stopped by the church. It it looks like it did in the movie. Um, I mean, it's been kept up. You know, it's it's in Less good birds, condition. I assume. Yeah, no, <laughs> there are birds. There there do be birds out there, but um, <laughs> like it's been kept up. It still looks the same though. So it's still like this, you know, creepy white church like up on a hill. But yeah, you can just like go check it out. And it's very much a functioning church. Like I was reading the sign and like, you can get married there. Like they do weddings, which I feel like would be cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that's, you know, kind of uh, their claim to fame out there. It's like Hitchcock's the birds. You find a lot of like Hitchcock stuff in like gift shops and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also just beautiful, beautiful spot. Very much recommend it. If you are in the area. So that was fun little adventure. And then I've also been rewatching a show that I, I don't know if I've brought it up on the podcast before. I think I've brought it up to you, Brian. It's called Hellier and it's on Shudder. Yeah. I don't know if it's on Shudder. It might be, it's on several platforms. It's like on Amazon. I've heard of, I've never seen it, but I've seen like the, the cover art. What, what is it? So it could be on Shudder. I'm not entirely sure, but there's two seasons of it and it's like, it's like a paranormal investigation documentary, but very much like unlike any ghost hunting I've ever seen. It's it it goes so much deeper than that. It's like ghosts, aliens, Mothman, talking about liminal spaces, talking about the Fae, talking about Pan, the Green Man. Like it's this crazy, like multi-layered investigation into some really weird phenomenon and i really like the the people the investigators because they did start at, like as teenagers as like ghost hunters like they mm-hmm. had this like website and they would like go ghost hunting in like the typical fashion and they've always been interested in spooky stuff in the occult uh, like one of them is a practicing witch you know that was like an interest of theirs but it wasn't until they got a really cryptic weird email from someone from hellier kentucky that's where the mm-hmm. name comes from so all of this takes place in kentucky which as we've talked about is a spooky place it's a spooky place they got their ghosts they're bluegrass <laughs> they, ghosts they do um and so hellier kentucky which is a small i don't even think it's a town i think it's like unincorporated territory it's like <laughs> a very small community and yeah this just cryptic eerie email about almost like these little goblin creatures that were coming out of caves. And it starts just an absolutely insane journey. Like I can't, I can't really do it justice. Like I said, there's two seasons of it. There's been talk of there being a season three. I think it got pushed back because of pandemic and everything because season two took place in 2019. 
So oh, it's, whoa. yeah, okay. this, this is fresh, but it's really good. I mean, it, okay. it definitely dives into some conspiracy stuff, but what I really like about the investigators is they're all, they're all open to all of the paranormal, but they're also very grounded people. So I think mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're very careful and they really like analyze things well. And they're very aware. Like there are lots of times where they'll catch themselves. Like I'm just being paranoid right now. Like, you know, they'll like kind of catch when they're maybe diving too far down like a conspiracy hole, you know? Um, And so I think it's a really nice balance of like paranormal investigation and, and, you know, just like by the books investigation. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, But anyways, it's, it's a wild show and I recommend it. It's, it's pretty crazy. And I, I hope a season three is coming. Cause I like, I'm like, what happened? Like (laughs) there's, there's so much, like I I need to know where the story goes, but big recommend. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my stuff. That's what I got. That's my stuff too. Yeah. I also, I, for the first time, I'm getting a head start on the book for the book club instead of reading it. Look three at days you, before the book club. You know, <laughs> well done. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm like a like twenty percent through already, um, and it's great. It's fun. It's, it's like a very scholarly so far. This one, oh, it's nice. almost like got like a ring vibe to it. Ooh, love the ring. Like Classic. stumbling on scary tapes and wanting to know the origins and stuff. Yes. Like that. Love so, it. Which is a great segue into we're reading experimental film by Gemma <laughs> Files this month. And if you want to read with us and join the book club, go to anchor.fm slash HHHS slash support and joining and supporting at any level gets you into our book club. I'm listening to the audiobook right now. That's how I'm going through it. And it's, it's pretty fun. It's just sitting on the train, you know, when I have downtime at work, just put that on and listen to a spooky story. Yeah, I might get the audiobook on this one. I have a free, I have an audible credit just sitting. That's what so. I did. That's yep. what I did. Credit. <laughs> gonna gonna use that baby up. <laughs> Should we take a break and then come back and and dive into this massive topic? The the giant empty field full. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Perfect imagery. Perfect. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've returned and we are talking about a topic that I am just like, I'm so excited to talk about this topic because I do feel, I feel like folk horror, it just represents a big part of my personality. You know, like I love, I love folk culture. I love folklore. I love folk music. Like I love the word and pagan traditions. Yeah. (laughs) I love cults. Like I feel like a lot of what I even bring to our dynamic is like rooted in folk tradition and folk horror. So like, this is definitely a world that I 
am very excited by. And recently, this amazing documentary came out. We've talked about it a few times on the podcast. Um, the Shudder original. And it's it's so good. Like, even if you're not into full core, I feel like you could get so much out of this documentary. Like, yeah. it's so good. It is such a beautifully thorough examination of just like history and philosophy and folklore all through the lens of folk horror. And it's called Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, which already Hell best, of a title. best fucking title. Like that's so good. <laughs> Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched. It's fabulous. I just had to also grab because the documentary is part of a larger box set called All the Haunts Be Ours, which I have right here. Oh my God, it's such a beautiful box set. There's 24 films in there, including that one. Anyway, it's all the documentary and this box set was all compiled and curated by Keila Genesee that does a fucking bang-up job. The way it is fully rounded, it's what we, we've talked about it before with the documentary, how it starts off very British because there's a lot of assumptions that folk horror is very steeped in British tradition. And then the scope widens and it widens and it widens until mm-hmm. it becomes like full. Wow. The entire world is full horror, you know? <laughs> yep. Um, yep. The entire world is full horror. It's true. <laughs> which is um, really exciting. I love it. It's well, beautifully made documentary and that gets your imagination, your brain just firing. And, yeah. And so and, we're going to talk about it. Yeah. And it's, it's over three hours long. You will walk away from it with an insane list of films to watch. Like the number of just like new movies and also like books come into it a bit as well. That I'm just like, oh, I got to check that out. I got to check that out. It's just endless. Yeah. But yeah, fabulous. So we're going to just kind of chat about some of the concepts that came up in this documentary, some of our thoughts, some of our, you know, favorite movies that were represented in this documentary. But at the end of all this, you should really go watch the documentary. Like there's, it's, it's fucking fabulous. They're going to so do good. such it, a good job. We're, we're going to try, but they do such a good they, job. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do our best, but it's so good. So I wanted to open to kind of mm-hmm. give people an idea of what folk horror actually even represents. Because I have noticed, and like I said, maybe this is just because it is something I am so just innately like enamored by. But mm-hmm. like, I have noticed I'll bring up that term to people and they don't know what it means. Like the full core, they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, like, like to me, I have like endless imagery and I, you know, I kind of right. see it in my head, but it, it isn't a, a super clear definition. And I think a lot of people even just have questions about, about what that means and what that entails. And I love right at the top of this documentary, as Brian said, the, the start of the documentary focuses on English folk horror. And right at the top of it, they kind of list off just a panel of different experts, lists off some different characteristics of folk horror. And mm-hmm. I just, I really love it. So I wrote out a lot of them and I'm just, I'm just going to read them straight through because I think it's a a really solid way to start off what like your understanding of folk horror even is. Hell yeah. So, folk horror is the juxtaposition of the prosaic and the uncanny, strange things found in fields, lights flickering in dark woods, the darkness in children's play, being lost in ancient landscapes, the devil having a cup of tea with you, 
The Power of Ritual and the Power of Collective Storytelling, Ancient Wisdoms that Have Been Long Repressed and Forgotten Rise Up Again Very Often to the Consternation of the Complacent Modern Man. That complacent modern man. That guy. (laughs) He's He's going to pop up a lot. (laughs) He's going to get goofed for sure. Someone heading to a village just outside of town and discovering a pagan conspiracy. Something surviving despite the dominant culture. Rural locations, insular communities, superstitious beliefs, outsiders, groups being outside modernity. And Folk Horror ultimately asks, what if the old ways were right? Ooh. Oh, boy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, boy. It's oh, so my good. Gosh. <laughs> it's so good. She also, in a article, if you guys want to further uh, widen your research, Rue Morgue last Halloween for their 24th issue was all, they did a whole Folk Horror write-up. And they interview Kayla for the the article. And she says, when asked to define the definition, she goes, in the simplest terms, I would say it's horror in an isolated or rural environment that deals with older customs or belief systems that have persisted due to its isolation. Um, Mm. And also, we're going to talk about it for however long we talk about it. But at the end, it's just kind of like, you know, it when you see it, you yeah. know, is, is what it really just comes down to. Like exactly. Some- exactly. That's kind of what I was saying, I guess, whenever when I bring up that term and people look at me confused, I'm kind of like, because in my brain, it just I just see so much. Right. It's almost like a visual like it's yeah, like a visual understanding of of a, a vibe like full core is a vibe. <laughs> It's it, for real. It is a vibe. It is a vibe. <laughs> there was a, there's also a, um, a 2017 book called folk horror hours, dreadful and things strange by Adam Scoville. And the, there's factors that he finds are like the tent poles in a lot of these. And those include landscape isolation, skewed moral or religious beliefs and a summoning or a happening. And um, those, if the, two out of three, three, yeah. you know, if, <laughs> You're going to find that those happen in most of them. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess these are, these are some pretty vague, you know, descriptors. How should we dive into discussion? Should we just start giving examples? Um, yeah. I mean, I think another important little tidbit is that the first known use of the term folk horror was in 1936. That was when like the first like in print use of that term came about, but then it wasn't really like commonly used until like the early 2000s like one of the academics in the documentary said like he used the term and he knew he that he wasn't the first one to ever use it but he also was like where did this come from and because it it just wasn't a common term you know and now it's obviously becoming a more a more commonly used term but like the idea has been around for a long time i think the word folk i think there's a very clear connection with folklore right Mm -hmm. like the same feeling you get from folklore is kind of what you get in folk horror it's just it's just the scary version it's the more you know like it's so like you kind of have this this element of like spooky things in woods and you know like it's kind of the same feelings that arise when you think of a lot of like folklore 
but I think that's important that the differentiate, like it's folk, not folklore, you know, mm-hmm. that like, it's not scared of the stories that the, the folk made. It's scared. Of, it's the fear of the folk. It's you know, the, the fear folk. of the folk. Yeah. I like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's the folks that we're afraid of. Out here. <laughs> There's this other quote that I just really love because the talking about the fear of the folk. Oh my gosh. Where was it? Oh, here we go. In a lot of British and American folk horror, the fear isn't some creature in the woods. It's a fear of those people who believe in the creature in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? The superstitious beliefs element for sure. Exactly. I think an- another kind of connection to the whole, how folk folklore plays into folk horror is they bring it up in the documentary at one point, how there are lots of examples where it's kind of the whole, um, how art changes our understanding of things folk horror develops and changes the folklore that it connects with often. So in many cases, what is said in a movie can become the folklore. (laughs) It's it's like held traditions mixed with invented stories, you know, I think practices. I think a really good example of this happening and is also just a quintessential folk horror, the wicker man. Let's Absolutely. talk about the wicker man. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the granddaddy of them, right? That's yeah. Kind of the, the three essential foundational folk horror movies in the seventies. But yeah, I mean, right there, that, that movie should just right away pinpoint what folk horror is. Yeah. Uh, it really, it really hits, it hits a lot of the buttons. Um, The original wicker man came out in 1973 and you know, it's dealing with, with a lot of different kind of like folk horror pagan tradition type imagery, but the main theme is really a theme of human sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that concept of human sacrifice just pinpoints one of our primary anxieties around paganism and the old ways, right? Is this idea of sacrifice in humans so that the crops will be better. Yep. It's scary. It's scary. <laughs> it is scary. It's also, I think watching it today, I think is maybe even more scary because it is also like a tale of like two different peoples, you know, kind of yep. clashing, right? You've got 100%. The, it's 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 a very pious Christian police officer, you know, going uh, to rescue a young girl that has been missing. That's a pretty noble feat. We can get behind that. Um, mm-hmm. Gets to the town. It gets to this this you know isolated island where we find Lord Summer Isle and his and his pagan village, and they're all very liberal and and free thinking and, and lots and of nudity, lots, lots of sex, of nudity, lots, lots of. of um, we're just we're open about it about all of it. <laughs> but there's a there's like a dark undercurrent to it too, you know mm-hmm. that that these these things are clashing. And at the end, that's also what I kind of love about the movie is yeah they do sacrifice him, but like throughout the movie you don't really like the dude, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. But at the end you're like, well I wouldn't have gone that far, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but there is a moment of like, well, you know, like, like he was kind of poking around where he shouldn't have been. Um, And he was really judgy, too. What? That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. No, I'm totally with you. What I think is, is very interesting, too, about this movie, about The Wicker Man, is and this goes back to this idea of folk horror developing further developing and changing folklore and changing our ideas even about history just right. like fully because 
the movie was was based on on research from books of ancient pagan rituals. This is true. However, the accuracy of whether or not what we see in the Wicker Man is actually like representative of true pagan customs that happened in the past is deeply in question. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, academics have fully criticized and questioned the books that the Wicker Man is based on that, you know, the, the where the research came from. Because right. um, there is, there's an image in, in one of these books of the Wicker Man, of this large wicker structure that was believed to be used for human and animal sacrifice. But it's also, it's complicated because the Wicker Man himself was originally reported as being seen by Roman invaders, so Whoa. there is this deep, deep possibility of it just being propaganda. You know, you have to think, what would the Roman invaders stand to gain by by coming back and being like they're sacrificing people? And, you know, so there's you you know you always have to question your sources and their motives. And so, really, the only kind of knowledge we have of the Wicker Man as a truly pagan occurrence in which these large wicker structures were used to sacrifice humans for the sake of the crops, it comes from a questionable source, you know? And so it's like the movie 100% furthered the belief and the lore around these ancient pagan customs that we don't have any firsthand sources from. You know, there wasn't a pagan Bible. Like, we don't have any firsthand sources that any of this actually happened in. Yeah, which then comes into the horror, you know, that there's a lot of these traditions that were just lost and that the ones that have been recorded, we don't know the origins of why or how and that, like, movies got to be movies yeah filling blanks (laughs) yeah something colorful like well hey big wooden you know burning effigy putting dudes inside there yeah oh yeah the imagery is fabulous like the imagery is top-notch it's so good um and the images that it's based on are fabulous so i think the wicker man on top of just being quintessential folk horror in just about every way is yeah it's also this example of the movie then changing how we see the history and how we actually see the folklore and how we see the pagan, the pagan communities, you know, like yeah, cre- to create a very specific narrative. But also uh, I think um, important to touch on how the Wicker Man, like imager- imagery from the Wicker Man very much influenced Midsummer, which is one oh, yeah. I think of our most fabulous contemporary folk horror films we've gotten in recent years oh yeah midsummer's wonderful we're jumping here we go we go we got (laughs) (laughs) well i figured we'll kind of jump all around yeah we'll jump all over but yeah we're on we're on midsummer i mean that's but that's uh that's another story of you know uh isolation we got that Mm -hmm. we've got the um skewed religious moral beliefs the Swedish cult, right? <laughs> we have a happening. There are multiple happenings. There are some happenings. Are God, some that happenings. is a perfect way to describe the the moment when they jump off the rock. Mm-hmm. That that impact moment, that was a happening. <laughs> That's exactly that was, a, that was something just happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mid midsummer. Midsummer is a really interesting one because as one of the people interviewed in the documentary brings up it takes place in sweden 
And it's about this quote unquote Swedish community, this isolated Swedish community, but it's a deeply American film. Oh yeah. It's saying things about American culture. Like that's, that's what it's doing. You know, it's, it's touching on American fears all over the place too. Like we just kind of put it in Sweden. Yeah. Especially this, like this deep need to find like community, you know, and even, even with, uh, and and if you are completely, if you can't find one, you'll turn to one. You could turn to one, even if it's a sinister one. And that's the kind of the basis of this movie. So yeah, the lead, Florence Pugh in this movie, Danny, she's, we're seeing she's gone through the horrible loss. She's got the, the people that are immediately surrounding her, including her boyfriend and, and his friends are just like the worst people she could be around. Yeah, they're terrible. Time. Goddamn. They're, <laughs> they're awful. And you're feeling it too, as a, the audience of like, fuck these people, you know, like she needs like serious <laughs> She's help. Yeah. And and then we're dropped right into this community that is all about community. It's all about this, the the catharsis of feeling what you're feeling and and giving you comfort and giving you some sort of release. And since they're the only ones that were doing it, yeah, she kind of fell in line with them, which was, which, you know, a lot of people will will make the quote of like, you go girl with that movie. Mm -hmm. But um, to which on uh, to a degree yeah hell yeah but yeah i mean in that well because yeah that's the complication of it and also like what makes it so brilliant is like yeah the the kind of good for her it comes like it comes from a real place you know like because it's pointing to i mean it's pointing to one how how american culture there is a deep fear of cults but we're also incredibly susceptible to them in western culture um americans are incredibly susceptible to cults it blows my mind to think of how many functioning cults there are right now at this very moment in time and it makes so much sense it's just because our system it isn't set up for for community in a way that we need it sometimes and it and it definitely doesn't allow for space and time to process grief absolutely and there's so many things about our society that are are very quickly lead to to people finding basic human needs in a cult-like situation you know having their basic needs met and one if that's the only place you can find it all of a sudden you're vulnerable to being abused you know um and yeah midsummer captures all of that beautifully and when you do when you really look at the whole uh, situation when you look at the situation she was in before and you can compare it to where she is at the end of the movie it's like well fuck it you know like <laughs> what are you gonna do you know <laughs> anyway that ties it that ties back into to why it's a, just a great example of folk horror too i mean that it's it's got this skewed moral belief that it, to a degree, I don't disagree with because we're yeah. foundations of folk horror is is maybe the old ways were right in some ways. And I'm not saying a lot of the old ways in Midsummer were like, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, good. There's a lot of bad they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't think the movie is making a case that they were good. No, um, not at all. But, it, but, that it, but it is making a case that within cults and a lot of these, you know, pagan past beliefs that there was there was something good that was lost. Like mm-hmm. in this one with the cults really sort of like co-opting this 
community and um, this welcoming atmosphere that was not found anywhere else. It's just just as sinister as like you know Lord Summer Isle and his his island. Like, mm-hmm. hey, come be free, be who you want, um, be, be the May Queen. Um, yeah, be dress you up in flowers. That'd be great. And then you're there, great. and you're in flowers, and you're like, "Fuck it, this is great." Oh, Put on this uh, this animal mask and just have fun. Just go with it. You know? <laughs> just like, let's just go with it. Um, no, one hundred percent. And there definitely is in just Western folklore as a whole. You have a lot of Christianity versus paganism, or some version of paganism, right? Like there is this kind of overarching the established Christian colonial West versus, you know, more like free pagan, honestly, more collective societies, you know, in a lot of ways. And so with so much folk horror, class is a huge and necessary element too. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's huge. And I think, so class in British folk horror is very interesting because they do talk a little bit about how in a lot of British folk horror there is, like Lord Summer Isle is a perfect example, there are lots of examples of old, old money, old aristocracy, you know, feeling threatened by the new order and then wanting to return to like these like paganism old ways to maintain their power, which is very fascinating because there we have, we have the upper class, like kind of reaching back. But I think it's interesting when you then jump to American folk horror, because I would say American folk horror is the exact opposite. We have like the lower classes, the rural communities that are the ones that are connecting with rural traditions and traditions of the past in order to gain power in a class system where they are oppressed. And so I think those are, that's a really interesting duality there, you know? It's also interesting how, um, different cultures around the world classify, you know, the horror when it comes to folk, like, um, cause in this article, Kayla Genesee was asked about paganism and how it was viewed historically because it, oftentimes it's either, or it's either earth positive paganism, like mm-hmm. awesome movement or terrifying demon, demonic cult. It's one of the two, yeah. you know, and she's <laughs> yeah. like, how does, how does full core fit into that narrative? And she says, quote, it really depends on who's making the film and where it comes from. In the more colonial cultures like England, America, and Australia, there is a fascination with the old ways, but they are often depicted as the source of the horror, whereas in many non-white cultures in particular, the old belief system are a source of empowerment that protect against the thing that is causing the horror. Yes. Which I yes. think that's that's pretty fascinating. You know, Yeah, that- 100%. And I think we're only now starting to see more at least in like American and Western folk horror, more nuance with that because like the witch is a perfect example of, of a very nuanced approach to like, okay, who's the bad guy, you know? (laughs) Right. Like, and that's why it's one of my absolute favorite movies, probably of all time. I love that movie so much. It's fabulous. And once again, a very solid example of folk horror, uh, contemporary, horror got it all it's got it's got it all and i think the puritanical new england Mm -hmm. that setting is so perfect for full horror 
in every way. As they talk about in the documentary, like New England was one of the most literate places in the world in the 17th century. The Puritans wrote everything down. So in comparison to, say, the Wicker Man, where we're going off pretty faulty uh, sources, we have so much written down from Puritanical New England around like witches and the witch trials and witchcraft, like so much was written down. And so the witch really pulls on so many of those sources. So much research went into that film of real sources from Puritanical New England. And it, I think represents why, like why the witch both the movie and just the witch, the concept of the as witch is, yeah. yeah, as an archetype is particularly influential in folk horror in the U.S., right? It's mm-hmm. it's part of our national identity. Like the Salem witch trials are part of our identity in a really weird way. I think there's, uh, I mean, that's tying to, I think, I think guilt is also part yes. of our national identity yes. in a weird way without yes. actually saying it. That like <laughs> the fact that the witch is such an archetype that we talk about all the time, there's there's got there's something subconsciously that we keep thinking we really goofed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Even though, you know, yep. it, I mean that's also fascinating about Salem witch trials when you think about the global the movement against witches. Um, but mm-hmm. that, like the, the comparatively far fewer witches in the, the Americas were killed versus Europe mm-hmm. is still obviously an atrocity, but I say that as that, like, it's not just the witches that tie into this guilt. There's also like the treatment of like native Americans, there's treatment yeah. of uh, women with the, the witch archetype. There's like so much in here that, that there's a fear that the old is going to come back and like, there's going to be consequences for. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. And, and, and that's like surprise, that's the, there is going to be consequences. Ripe, ripe for great horrors, <laughs> folk horror stories. Yeah, you know? 100%. Like, yeah, it's brought up in the documentary too that just like cross cultural concern all over the world. Like, there has always been concern with witches in all different cultures and how cross-cultural concern with witches represents how uncomfortable humanity is as a whole with feminine power. Mm-hmm. Um, that's largely what the witch represents in folklore all over the world. It's definitely what the witch represented in, you know, the Salem witch trials. And I think, yeah, starting to like tell those stories in a way where because i don't even necessarily like it when it's just like the witch is the good guy i like it when it's just it's very nuanced and vague you know when you leave it and you're like you don't feel like one side was yeah the bad guy and you understand the quote-unquote like villain character but like don't even see them as a villain like that is what has been happening with these recent full core films like the witch and midsummer. And I love it. That I'm like, this is great moral ambiguity. Yeah. Know? More. There it is. Moral ambiguity. There it is. You know? Um, and you know, there's kinda... a lot, of, a lot of good points, but at the end of the day, <laughs> follow him in black Phillip. And so I don't know. You know? <laughs> so I don't really know, but you know, <laughs> but yeah, but you make some good points, <laughs> make some good points, you know? Um, um so yeah, like the, image of the witch and that is something that uh, is represented differently in different cultures but i think is a fundamental folk horror archetype right i think pretty much any movie about witches 
is always going to kind of connect to full core. Like, yeah, which I didn't really think about until watching the documentary. I didn't think about a lot of different movies. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, that's also full core. But like, yeah, it's inherent that that the witch is is a the, the, the archetype itself is is an isolated person, you know, in the woods that lives off the earth in old ways and mm-hmm. pagan beliefs, you know, and there's a fear of the other of them that they don't understand. And it's past. a it's a fear of their potential power because there's also power that comes with living outside the norm right like and it scares people and 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 yeah and i think there's just it goes back to the 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 guilt of the national identity that like why are we afraid of them like we're afraid that they're going to come for us and like why would they come for us well it's deep down because we think we deserve it you know they're Mm -hmm. like yeah yeah yep and yeah there's just fear fear of anything challenging the status quo in also this intersection with how folk horror specifically in movies got really popular around like the seventies, like the wicker man and how that intersected with like the back to the land ethos and the hippie movement and alternative lifestyles, you yeah, know, like that was like a fascination that was huge. And then, yeah. Yeah. It was like, there was huge, numbers of people that were saying, no, I'm going to live differently. Like I'm going to live an alternative lifestyle, hippies, whatever. I'm going back out into the forest, you know, trying to divest from the system. And that created mass amounts of anxiety for people that were very invested in the system, you know? So these movies represent exploration of that in a lot of ways, exploration of the fears of what is going on in that forest, what is going on in that rural land that, you know, those people are living on. Yeah. And then it makes me question then why is full core nowadays? Why is it having, it's because it's clearly having a new resurgence. I mean, we have this documentary, we have the witch, we have Midsummer, we have all these other movies that we'll discuss, but like, why is it coming out today? And I wonder that like, we are such a connected society now everything is uh, like speeding towards a more nebulous technological web Mm -hmm. that like the other and the isolated peoples are just people that aren't on it anymore you know that aren't a part of like the system you know that like dude that's um i've i've had this very conversation because i like i lived on top of a mountain with very little internet uh last summer and it was like the happiest I had been in a very long time. <laughs> and it, 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 I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's not a, it wasn't like a commune situation. I was, you know, working at a resort, but it was a, a, still an isolated community living on dorms and a place where you cannot, you know, walk to a store or anything. Right. And like, you're very, you kind of rely on each other in a very communal sense and you're out in the woods and and I absolutely loved it and was so happy. And I remember meeting someone on Thanksgiving at like this, the Thanksgiving situation I, I went to. And um, we were talking about that, that duality of the hyper technological and then totally going off grid, like mm-hmm. basically. And he was saying how being in nature, not having internet sounded terrible and i was like dude i just did it and it was the best i've ever felt like and and it was a moment of understanding that i think i think we do kind of have these camps of people who are so invested in 
internet world and technology and like that's their thing. They can't really imagine living without it. And then you have this other camp of people that really want to disconnect from it in big ways. And so we're seeing more and more like communal lifestyles and more and more, you know, people wanting to buy land so like they can start little like communal living situations and going off the grid, van life, right? Like we we're seeing so many alternative lifestyles cropping up because our main way of living, I'm speaking specifically in United States because it's where I live, does not support the vast majority of people. So more and more people are thinking about new alternative ways to live. And the people who are fully bought into the comfort of our current lifestyle, that scares them. And that's they're where they're always going to be othered. They're yeah, be, that's yeah. a there's an othering and there's an anxiety with that, right? That's like so I, I think it's very similar. It's very similar to the hippie movement. It's you know, it's it's kind of a new version of the back to land movement in yeah. a lot of ways that a lot of people are leaning towards, myself included. I think about it more and more every day. I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start a commune and like just be out there. And maybe we will do some weird cult shit. Like, who knows? Who knows? Get some animal masks. You know, <laughs> like, Find why your, not? Get a May Queen. Why not? <laughs> like, let's get weird with it. We're out here anyways. You know what just, I mean? Uh, meet so, Mister Scratch in the woods at night. You know, like. And I think chat. actually, I feel like that's a new element to it in our current contemporary version of that reality. There is an absurdity, you know, attached to it as well. Like, fuck it. Let's just go out into the forest and do whatever the hell we want. Right. And to someone who's not comfortable with that concept, that is very scary. Like, you know, the idea of a group of people going into the forest and doing whatever the hell they want like that, that is ripe for, fear and anxiety so you, know, you say that that when you brought that up i thought about a movie that i'm like yeah that's definitely a full core of just people going into the woods saying fuck it um i'm thinking about the blair witch project yes yeah. <laughs> let's just go make yes. a movie about the blair witch and yes. then suddenly they're like trapped in this woods with this folk with this like urban legend you mm-hmm. know of um a witch in the in and the, the land turns against them um because that's another thing that lo- that is so integral with with folk horror we're talking a lot about the folk but like land is, mm-hmm. is a huge tentpole of this that there's something about the getting back to nature and that kind of fear of just like the natural world almost you know yeah totally um a word that's used in the documentary a lot which i was actually really excited to hear is like the overlap with psychogeography which psychogeography is actually an art term. It was developed by Guy Debord. It was it was developed in relation to cities, actually. The term psychogeography and like practicing psychogeography was actually kind of more about like exploring cityscapes mm-hmm. in a very like kind of open way. Um, so it started as this urban concept, but ultimately psychogeography is just kind of a cool word to describe like the soul of a place. I think that's, Mm. in my opinion, that's the best way to describe it. It's like how, how a a landscape or a small rural community, like there is a soul to it, you know, like it has its own power to it. It has its own personality almost. Right. I think that's kind of where the psycho part of the word comes from, like the psychology of a landscape almost uh, Mm -hmm. or of a piece of geography. 
but it's just like kind of like exploring a specific landscape, be it a city or a wide open field or a small rural community or a cabin in the woods and what it offers, but also also the horrors it entails, right? Mm-hmm. Like psychogeography. The stories that ground has, you know. Yes. Uh, that it, the stories that have happened on that ground, you know, that like exactly it remembers. It remembers. The, his- the histories and the stories and the energies that it holds on to. I think all of that is a part of quote unquote psychogeography. So definitely a huge part of full quarter. Yeah. The land, the landscape, I think is everything. Like another term that was used American prairie horror. Love Mm -hmm. that. Love that phrase. (laughs) Oh, it's great. Especially I think for us, like we grew up surrounded by prairie, you know, like, and so American prairie horror, uh, we talked about it last week, but classic children of the corn. Mm hmm. Yeah, the vastness of it, that the, you guys, your isolated community, there's a the fear of, of people that are off on their own. What are they up to? You know, why mm-hmm. are they on their own? There's like a fear of like, <laughs> what are they doing? It'd be there? good because it's not with us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. There's another movie called The Wind. It came out a few years ago. It's another prairie horror movie. It's set in like pioneer times about this, like, you know, covered wagon. They're going west um, and they settle in the middle of, you know, field this is when the the far as the eye can see is just land Mm -hmm. and the madness that kind of comes with the wind that comes you know um because that i mean that i live in a city and i've lived in a city for now for years but i remember that growing up in like you know south dakota you know that like there is like the sky is something (laughs) i i I don't remember that was that you know that took a lot of getting used to live in the city of like i grew up with infinite sky Mm -hmm. and now i'm like well no i don't i rarely see it you know so Mm -hmm. like it's still where i feel the most at ease is in big natural landscapes and i i love being in a cornfield i think it's gorgeous and weird like it's both you know it's going back yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it's like beautiful and calming. It's also weird and unsettling. Like it's all of it, you know, the, the infinite, <laughs> it's almost suffocating how open it is you mm-hmm. know what I mean? that there's a juxtaposition there, but it's like, there's so much open space. I am I, scared, you know? Um, yeah. But it feels, I don't, I'm totally with you, but yeah, there's just some feeling of like, yeah, all of that emptiness and like you're, especially if you're, you know, just being out in one of those landscapes alone, like it's like you're in your own world, literally. And I mean that in a very like kind of lonely sense, but like there's something very, yeah, there's something eerie, but also very exciting about that, you know, when you're just like, this is, this is all mine because there's literally no one else around. <laughs> it's it's wild. That's another kind of thing with, with a lot of these full core movies is that just what you said. There's no one else around. Yeah. You know that like that's um, the scary part. That's the like, scary part that you are you are a far cry from civilization. There's you yep. know that doesn't matter. It, no one's close. You know. Yeah, I think I definitely growing up I had a pretty intense anxiety surrounding like farmhouse murders. Like people in that cold get blood. Yeah. In cold blood, literally like it's great book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but literally like, or yeah, just like these, these houses, you know, you're, you're no one can hear you. Like you're too far away for anyone. Like, and it just that amount of kind of loneliness 
and just being in a house like by yourself, like that. Uh, yeah, it it freaked me out as a kid. Like I just remember just driving, like being in the car and like seeing farmhouse after farmhouse and being like, oh, like <laughs> what could go down in that house? You know, like yeah. Yeah. like freaked me out a lot. And there is a fear. I mean, that's a, that's kind of it. I guess it shows up in in British folk horror with the class system, but it's definitely an American, you know, folk horror examples with the, the, the rural communities being viewed as like backwoods, mm-hmm. folk, you know, that are, aren't intelligent and therefore dangerous. Yeah. You know? I think the number, I mean, the number one example of that, which is a movie I haven't even watched because I'm too afraid to watch it, but I know what it's about. Yeah. Uh, Deliverance. Deliverance. Yep. That's like, I I won't even watch it. I'm like, that sounds awful. (laughs) Like, I, I, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like turning this, like, like backwoods means you are, you are, um, uh, you're dangerous, you know, like you're, you're violent or you're going to do something horrible. Like, which is, which is an, yeah, is a a weird class mentality thing to like, to just throw on, I don't know. It's just another way that we hate poor people. That's just like another, it's just another way our American class system is like, yeah, throws hate on poor people basically. (laughs) It seemed too in uh, like also a terrifying movie, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They're mm -hmm. out in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and they stumble on this house far cry from anywhere and the this family that's left to their own devices in texas you know that like that's, yeah that's fear uh <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's fear. the fear uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and also the documentary also mentioned pumpkin head have you ever seen pumpkin i haven't pumpkin head is pretty i i watched it for the first time a few years ago it's it's pretty wild i think you would get a kick out of it i mean the movie starts with the you know this just a rural family, you know, this with father and son, they work at a gas station and they're just, you know, salt of the earth, good people. And then mm-hmm. these city slickers come with their dirt bikes and they accidentally kill the the son. And so the movie is like him going to like into the deeper backwoods and to like, to, to seek the witch in the woods to like, to, to bring back this creature to get revenge. And the, she's like, you do this. There's no going back. It's never this a good idea. Guys comes out. You yeah. Know, this, the, <laughs> that's, that's the kind of the folklore part of it. But mm-hmm. the, but the, the folk horror bit of it too, is that like, there are, there are secrets in the woods that you know, we don't talk about. There's, there's power that we could bring this thing back if you wanted to. And like, I love that too, because it is true. Like I, I love sitting in a forest and just like taking in the infinite wisdom. Like there are secrets in the woods. Like that is real, you know, like how we manifest them in our art and our horror, you know, that's when it gets specific and is being used for a particular narrative and whatever. But like, the woods are magical. Like there are secrets out there. It's like, it's the energy psychogeography of a forest is infinitely different than the psychogeography of a city. You know, Absolutely. like it's completely, you're a different being when you're, when you're out in the woods. Like it's true. It's just, there's a, that there's, there's tr- like, there's truth. And just like the exploration of the woods being both very spooky and scary and also like this feeling of like you're stumbling on to 
something ancient and powerful. Like I feel that way when I go on hikes, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. like, and so it's, it's just kind of elevating that feeling you get when, you know, when you're out exploring the woods, elevating that in a piece of art, I think is, is what is going on with a lot of full core. It's just taking those like kind of base feelings that we have and then, and then expressing them as different. Yeah. Like scary powers or anxieties or. Yeah. I think it's it's a way of expressing the mystery. That's I think what I'm trying to say. It's like expressing the mystery of a place. Yeah, I think it, it, we're we're touching a bit on it too that, that that like the the place can sometimes be sinister in itself. Yeah, you know, like the power isn't like always good. There's like some like evil in it, and I think about like another awful trope of you know the Americans that uh, Indian burial ground. You know that like that's just lumping a whole multinational people into one group, and then it's their burial grounds that we got to be afraid of them though. We put them there, you know, that like that's yeah, um, and that that was a huge horror trope. I feel like we've talked about this a little bit, um, because of one of our our book club books where the trope of the Indian burial ground was kind of subverted in a really good way. And it's in so much horror that it doesn't even need to be in like the shining. I, I, the shining doesn't, there's no need for an Indian burial ground to ever be brought up in that work of fiction. But for some reason they had to be like the hotel was built on an Indian burial ground. And that's why it's scary. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so it's just this, yeah, it's, it's, an othering the documentary goes deep into this concept in a way that i'm i'm not even going to try but you have to watch it because it's it connects to kind of what you were saying national guilt but there is also this need by colonizers to other native americans and almost make them otherworldly to make to, them still feel better about yeah to kind of justify the reality and um the the guy who in the documentary talks about the Indian burial ground trope. I love, I love his last line. He says something along the lines of like how he kind of enjoys the Indian burial ground trope because like, because it's all an Indian burial ground. ground. And I was like, Oh, for real. Like that's, that's the psychogeography of America and Mm -hmm. Canada. You know, it's all an Indian burial ground. Yeah. And so kind of, how in horror yeah that trope has kind of been used as a way to it's a way for colonizers to feel better or something and and it connects back to uh puritans puritanical new england yep. um which had to just be the worst and fucking weirdest existence but puritanical Can i cannot i think about it a lot actually <laughs> like i cannot imagine but settler mentality and like specifically puritans meant that their mentality it came from like christian belief that that this like new england like america was supposed to be like the promised land like it was supposed to be it was supposed to be utopia basically mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be like gifted to the puritans according to their belief and so when they got here and it was inhabited by people everywhere the only way they can make it logical was by assuming that these people must be some kind of like demonic They're devil entity yeah so it's just like just super fucked up from the beginning you know super dehumanizing just 
a huge problem. And then, um, yeah, throughout the next few hundred years, uh, uh, many people have tried to grapple with that concept. And that's where the Indian burial ground trope came from in horror. Gotcha. There's your full horror fear. (laughs) There it is. The ground is is scary. Yeah. The ground is scary. The, The ground it has it has secrets right it has otherworldly powers um mm-hmm. another thing going off the whole religious aspect religion is a huge part of so much of full core i'm not going to say all of it but like so yeah. much of it it's is a recurring theme yeah is connected to religion and religious beliefs and it's brought up in the documentary how british full core tends to be a lot of like christianity versus like some form of paganism Right. And American folk horror is a lot of weird Christians. Like it's like, yep. like Christian cults because that is a very real thing here. Yeah. So what you see in American folk horror is a lot more like weird Christians, like children of the corn is a good example of that. Right. On Christianity. Yeah, it's a, the re- rewriting the Bible to fit their needs. You yep. Know, like the little, little kid Christian cult in a cornfield. <laughs> Isaac, little Isaac leading his flock, you know? <laughs> I, I think the the religious connections throughout all of Fulcore is like an infinitely interesting thing to try and trace and and see what's actually being said about belief and belief in yeah belief in something otherworldly. I mean that's so that's so right on the money that like the Christianity being it's it's the inverse inversion here versus what it was in. in, in British folk horror. And I think about like another one of the big tent pole folk horror movies, which was uh, the Witchfinder General with Vincent mm-hmm. Price, you know, just Vinnie like P. witches. And then we were talking, we talked about the witch archetype and that's largely why, you know, there's, there's the, why were they burned at the stake is because they were in league with the devil. You know? What What's witches. cool about Witchfinder General though, I haven't seen the movie. I've only seen chunks of it and like heard people talk about it. But my understanding of that film is like Vincent Price, Price's character is not good. Like he's Horrible. like the villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like you have an example of the witch hunter mm-hmm. is evil, right? Which is is telling another version of that story. It's the witch isn't evil. It's the the witch hunter who, you know, was the the evil presence. In this new land that's left to their, his devices of, you know, there's no oversight to his rule that like mm-hmm. left to yep. d- decide whatever he wants goes, which is scary when you're which- isolated in a field. <laughs> Everything is scary when you're isolated Everything. in a field. Folk <laughs> Full core. Everything is scary when you're isolated in a field. (laughs) But that actually connects to kind of one last, or I guess I had two things I did want to talk about. But one big idea that is brought up throughout the documentary, but I think is really verbalized by Maisha Wester, is this concept of how full core for a while was like, being afraid of the old ways, but that there's also a lot of full core that has flipped that and, and made us think about it in different ways. And, and I have a quote from her where she goes, what we see in the Southern Gothic is an anxiety that perhaps this progress isn't progress at all. Perhaps it's as horrible as the old ways. Maybe modernization and industry is equally as horrible and alienating 
maybe there's no winner on either side and we're ultimately all monsters still. It's that moral ambiguity. It's so good. And I think that concept is particularly attractive to us right now, which I think can also connect to why folk horror is so on the up and up Mm -hmm. is because we are in this place of so many of us are questioning the narrative of linear progress Mm -hmm. that like colonialism and industrialism is built on. Right. Those ways of thinking are and even even science, scientific thinking to a certain degree, not that I'm in any way anti-science, but when it gets to be too dogmatic is very built on a narrative of constant linear progress. We as a society, we are progressing linear all the time. We are better now than they were hundreds of years ago. Full stop, right? Like that's the idea. And Mm -hmm. we are, I think, in a unique place in history where we're questioning that a lot. We're like, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, though. What if you're wrong? (laughs) What if we're on this precipice right now, you know, like... Like, what if it's not that simple? What if we haven't been progressing towards a better society all this time? What if it's good things happen and bad things happen and that's the way it's always been and will always be? And like, it's, it's yeah, it's not this clear, straightforward path, right? And that maybe in moving forward on that path that we thought was was the answer modernization industry you know we just created more horrors so it's Maybe. like i mean i that might be some anxiety i think you're really on to something here right because this linear <laughs> progression of time and i think it, it there's a fear right now or maybe just an anxiety under the surface that 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 train of linear progression is off the rails. It's going yeah. really fast right now. Yeah. You know? Think about when I was at, I'm just looking at my phone. When I was, you know, in high school, I had a flip phone that T9 texting, and that was the future, you know? <laughs> and now I've got a super computer, you know, that like in my hand that mm-hmm. everybody has. And, and we're talking about like computer chips and brains, like billionaires are flying spaceships into space right now that like, we're like, or, and we're all connected on this this nebulous web that isn't real. <laughs> My yeah. money is not real anymore. It's all number. You know, it's like. Exactly. And there's a shadow side to all of that, which makes you question what does progress even fucking mean? Right. Like you just you just hit the nail on the head when you brought up billionaires going to space. Right. To some that looks like progress. But if you look at what allowed those billionaires to go to space, how many people have been abused so those billionaires can go to space? How many people can barely live so those billionaires can go to space? You know, when you start breaking down these progression, quote unquote progressions, and and I guess ask the question, what progress though? Like, what is the progress? What does progress even mean? You start to see as Maisha Wester points out, the horrors within this move towards progress, right? And Mm -hmm. then you have to, you have no choice, but to question the whole fucking concept. Like, is it progress? Maybe not. And so that it just, it throws the whole paradigm into question. And uh, you're just going to be full of questions and anxieties and impossible fears like that's what fear is right it's so it's, it's no wonder that that folk horror is becoming com- coming back in a big way you yeah know? like yeah 
well, shit, yeah. maybe that was the right, maybe, maybe just going out in the woods with a, a few people and, and Mr. Scratch, you know, is, is exactly. that's, maybe that's all we did need, you know? <laughs> exactly. Maybe we should just be sitting around fires in the forest and telling ghost stories. Like <laughs> we'll have an occasional May queen and, you know, like, yeah. Or, yeah. Or like small rural communities. I actually, I don't know why my brain just, I mean, I kind of know why my brain just made this connection. It might feel a little bit like a leap, but have you watched Don't Look Up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Tell I, how I feel about it. <laughs> how do you feel about it? I wasn't a fan, but. Really? Interesting, but we won't get into that. Um, I I was a fan, but the one thing that I adored about this movie, I've literally just rewatched this scene over and over again. Cause I loved it so much. Like I only watched the whole movie maybe twice, but I've watched the ending scene where they're having dinner yeah, oh, where they're yeah. sitting down and they're having, yeah. And like skater punk, Timothy Chalamet, like does the prayer and then, and they're sitting there and everything's starting to rumble and they're just like having this dinner, this beautiful dinner. And then like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio goes, we really did have it all, didn't we? And it's just like, oh, like it's just this beautiful moment because like if the world was ending, I would want to be at that table with people. I love having a nice meal. Like I'd want to be in that exact situation. Yeah. And I think what that represents is like whether the world is ending or not, we should just go back to that, you know, like just having nice dinners with people we care about and enjoying each other. And like that simple, that simple living. And I think there is an element of that in how we're starting to think about like smaller communities moving to rural areas. Yeah. You know, like all of these themes that are present in full core, you know, and maybe um, it's not so scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's not, dude. <laughs> like, is it any scarier than like billionaires with unchecked power? Like, <laughs> in, in typical full core fashion, we are we are rounding in the end with moral ambiguity. Yeah. Of, like started off like this was really scary. And at the end, where's Lord Summerisle welcomed the Wicker Man, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like before we like wrap it up, there was one other movie I I had to talk about. I really wanted to talk about because this movie, it does actually connect to these ideas that we're discussing. I saw it. I, I remember watching it as a small child. It was probably like eight, I think was when it came out. It was a made for TV film in mm -hmm. the 90s. And it fucked me up so hard. What like movie? Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. The oh, ninth. Yeah. We had to read that in middle school. <laughs> Why did why we, <laughs> sound off, please? If you're listening, if you also had to read this story from Shirley Jackson, oh this was my, my introduction to her. God, um, love Shirley Jackson, but I remember watching there. There's multiple versions, but there's a made-for-TV version in the '90s, and I just remember it just coming up on TV. You know, sitting in my living room, I'm like eight years old this movie fucked me up harder than any of the horror movies i watched growing up fuck scream like i can handle scream <laughs> like the lottery fucked me up so hard i am sorry but the concept of this film is the most awful like heart-wrenching terrifying thing in the world and like and when it was brought up in the documentary i had a moment of like 
well, fuck. <gasps> like, you know, like, cause I haven't watched it since then. Like it fucked me up so bad. And when it was brought up, I was like, God damn that movie. And I've been kind of like sitting with it and trying to figure out why, why was that movie so just devastating to me and like horrific as a child and a human being, like, why was this film so bad? And weirdly it connects with the previous little rant about community, the concept of your entire community turning on just you singularly. Yep. And then killing well, it, you. Seemingly in a, random. Yeah. They could turn randomly. On that's it. Exactly. You're right. R- the randomness, your entire community turning on just you at random completely. You have done nothing. You're just a person. And then you become this center of a horrific stoning by your community. I just, there's nothing, I can't imagine, there's nothing lonelier than that. That's the the most horrifyingly painful, lonely thing I can imagine. And it breaks my heart to think about. <laughs> like, if and like we had to read that. I we know. <laughs> Why were children reading this? Like, I, like, I'm crying right now. Like, it's so fucked up. It's so fucked up. It's, and I, yeah, I just, I mean, uh, genius, like to, One, to elicit yeah. this kind of reaction. Well done, Shirley Jackson. But fuck, like nothing, nothing has ever made me feel the way that movie, that made for TV movie made me feel. Sometimes it was made for TV movies. <laughs> they just get it right. Like, it's just, it's horrible. It's a horrible, horrible thing to imagine. Um, it is probably my worst fear, I, I would say. <laughs> like, I think Shirley Jackson's The Lottery represents my absolute worst fear. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got to the heart of it. 40-some <laughs> episodes in the podcast. We found it. <laughs> I do need to go back and watch that. I feel like I need to do some like inner child healing or something. Because like Absolutely. I was... Some exposure therapy. Some, yeah, it fucked it me up hard. It fucked me up hard. That shit's terrifying. What a horrifying concept. And it's definitely folk horror. I mean, yep. that is that 100%. is an isolated community that is that has this like there's a happening. There's <laughs> yep. a, a religious thing. Cause they there's no real reason for the lottery, right? There's, they just do it. They, it's they just, just do it. They're, they the quote in the in the story in the film is there's always a lottery. Like that's the quote. Always has been. That's tradition. I, yeah. And horror. I think the I think that is part of what God like really fucked me up about it too is the injustice of it right there's nothing resembling any kind of justice going on here it's just there's always been a lottery oh, <laughs> oh. that's that i mean that just evokes like the strangers the, the mm-hmm. line in the strangers of like why are you doing this and they say because you were home like no like, the no. same that 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 scares that same part of my brain. That's like same. That random, no reason, but it's happening anyway. God damn it! <laughs> God damn it. Uh, folk horror. Folk um, a few horror. more before we like wrap up. There's a few more on Shutter. There's a great collection you can go through right now. An old one, Mario Baba movie, Black Sunday is wild. The opening scene is an all timer. Holy moly! That I don't want to go spoil it, but it's shocking. But that's another story of of woman power and uh, coming back in a way. Full core. Um, <laughs> full core. Full core. Uh, this one, Eyes of Fire. I mentioned it to you when we were messaging about this episode. Uh, do yourself a favor and watch this movie on Shutter. This is 
I feel like Stefan from SNL because this movie has it all. It's got scandals, magic. It's got spooky ghosts, swamp witches. It's got Irish fairy sidekicks, cat eye demon kids. It's got campy, like it's wild. It sounds amazing. Wild movie. And it all just follows this like scandalous pastor leading this group of people looking for a promised land. And they stumble on this really not so good ground that the Native American <laughs> cultures will not go to. And they're like, well, this is ours then. And uh, figure out why they shouldn't go there in the first place. And check it out. Eyes of Fire. Wild. And what else? Sleepy Hollow. That's another one. Oh, yeah. Talk about. Classic. Sure. Very American identity, creating folklore. The Candyman is ooh, the documentary brought it up, but that's kind of a fun, you wouldn't think it would fit the narrative because it's very urban setting, but mm-hmm. it takes place. The, the Cabrini Green is a very, you know, hollowed ground that, that is cursed because of uh, of the folk, you know. The folk, yeah. It uh, it hits the psychogeography element for sure. Yeah. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's what I had for my list. Yeah. I mean, we could like, we obviously focused a lot on just Western folklore because that is the, oh, yeah. the stuff we've been brought up with. I also, I think American folklore is just always going to be huge to me as, as someone who grew up in the Midwest, you know, like growing up in like the heartland of America, like so much of the, imagery and the ideas are particularly resonant always going to have um, a lot of kind of attachment and investment in american folklore i think there's there's so much interesting being said in a lot of these films about class in rural communities and and yeah and also spookiness in rural communities shouts out Back to the beginning of this episode when I was talking about Hellier and that that paranormal investigation, like it's rural Kentucky. It's yeah, these actually align very well. I um, I feel like if you want almost like a real life like folk horror, watch Hellier. Like that's like a real you know true to life kind of spooky folk happening. Happenings. It's a happening. So yeah, definitely check out the documentary as it goes into cross-culturally. I think it it hits it hits most of the continents and really examines folklore from a lot of different interesting angles. This is a topic that we're super into, so I wouldn't be surprised if we do a part 2 or a part three or talk more in depth about some of these ideas because I feel I feel like this episode was a lot of like, this is folk horror and then doing a deep examination of, of what folk horror means to us. (laughs) It's such a all encompassing genre lens idea that that gets bigger and bigger it feels yeah. like as the day goes on you it's know that like never I'm, ending so i'm lumping you know different movies that i'm like well i guess is that full core too you know is that mm-hmm. you know but but then it gets back to well no you know it when you see it you know that like <laughs> We'd love to hear your thoughts on folk horror, what some of your favorite folk horror movies are. Maybe if you have like a folk horror movie that you're like, is this folk horror? I don't know. Like, let's discuss. Um, let's discuss. And speaking of discussing, I guess one more time, plug in the book club, hop in there, join our discussions, hang out hop with in. us. And uh, yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's all, that's all we got. 
that's what we got for for, for now. Yeah, for, now. For, ton- for tonight. That's all we got. <laughs> we'll be back with more isolated landscapes and moral ambiguity on another time. <laughs> catch you now or catch you another time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is i love you man full core yeah (laughs) yeah maybe maybe it is perhaps (laughs) well uh you know stay safe out in the woodlands dark and uh keep those days bewitched you know there it is boom